0: Regulating how the Internet is delivered by the small number of Internet provider companies is one very important thing. But regulating Internet behavior by hundreds of millions of users is something else altogether. And that was very much the theme of a Twitter conversation last night as hundreds of you discussed free speech and the vulnerability of women in the online world in our Twitter chat, which was the wrap up of our series this week, Being a Woman Online. Jill Filipovich helped lead that discussion and share her experience of the perils of free speech. When Jill was a law student back in 2006, she created a blog called Feminist. As she engaged in the public online space on issues of sexism and feminism, she attracted an enormous number of threatening comments on simple message boards. There was nothing neutral about these net comments. Jill joins us now. She's a senior political writer for Cosmopolitan.com. Welcome, Jill.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: We had great fun last night uh, talking to folks, and uh, you know, I, I, I was not able to... Uh, Botch your name in a, a Twitter <laughs> chat. That's one of the advantages of that medium. Um, but uh, w- what was your sense of the difficulty of regulating the behavior of people in an environment where things can get out of hand on certain debates and subjects?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think all of us, or most of us anyway, do want to strike a balance between free speech, free expression, the kind of, you know, Wild West dynamic of the internet. And also making sure that everyone who participates on the internet, you know, isn't being threatened, harassed, and bullied. Um, How you actually draw that line is really, really difficult. Um, You know, I think there are some things that are really clear, uh, you know, which are active direct threats. You know, I'm going to come kill you. (laughs) is pretty obvious. You know, but when you're getting comments like, you know, you should be assaulted, um, I think those can be a little bit harder to parse. And I think it's certainly difficult for, you know, the big companies that run these platforms like Twitter and Facebook to figure out a mechanism uh, to make sure that these kind of threats and harassing comments don't get leveled in the first place.
0: Thinking about the vulnerability of women in particular, um, what comments did you receive back when you were a law student and what regulatory environment do you imagine could have prevented them?
1: Um, you know, I, there were there were a lot of a lot of different comments, um, you know, for, of varying levels of offensiveness. Um, you know, the ones that I think kind of got to me personally the worst uh, were the ones that were either rape threats or kind of I guess what I would call rape fantasies that were being you know played out um, in public, including by you know some people who at least on this anonymous message board claimed to have gone to school with me and you know had known, had known me in some capacity. Um, you know, I. I think what was interesting—that was, you know, a message board that was run by two private individuals, but um, had hundreds and hundreds of users. You know, t- something like Twitter, which has millions of users and you know is run by a large, very profitable company, um, I think has, you know, different interests. I think if the two people who had run that message board had made a decision we're not going to allow these kind of comments, they could have shut it down very easily. Um, and they actively and publicly chose not to do that. I think what you're seeing with Twitter you know, is that they have for a long time really kind of shirked their responsibility when it comes to dealing with these sort of comments. Um, you know, but yesterday it was just made public that the Twitter CEO has really taken personal responsibility for this. Uh, well and he does, says he
0: says his company is dreadful at, right. at and dealing it is with dreadful. trolls.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, you know and it, it does seem like he's you know working with a team that, you know, frankly is some of the smartest and most innovative, you know, tech people on the planet. Um, to figure out a way
0: tech men, probably, right.
1: Right. Probably a lot of men, but you know, I mean, I have female friends who work for Twitter there. There are definitely, um, at least some women in the room, probably not enough. Um, you know, but these are bright, innovative folks. And, you know, I like to think that if anyone can come up with a workable solution, you know, it's, it's those people, it's just that the will and the institutional backing has to be there.
0: There was a cultural discussion in our Twitter chat last night, and here you, uh, Jill Filipovich, says, I have almost never commented on blogs or websites except my own. I volunteered last night. I used to comment all the time long ago, back in the 80s, and I found it really kind of brought out the worst in me. It was easy to just sort of say something snarky or nasty or or get into some sort of debate, but I found that, you know, I don't like to do that anymore. Um, I, I almost never comment. I, I'm much more interested in sharing stories and getting information. And I think that more typifies the way women come to the internet. What do you think culturally is the difference between the female and the male online experience, if there is any?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think obviously women um, are more likely to get kind of sexualized harassment and threats. Um, you know, I know men also get nasty comments, right? It's not like men are never told you're an idiot or you should die. Um, Men do hear those things. What I think women hear is you're an ugly fat idiot and you should be raped until you die. (laughs) That's the fundamental difference in the kind of hate that men and women get. Um, You know, and I I also think that there's, I guess, what I would call um, an authority gap where, you know, I think this is true sort of across the board that, you know, women tend to only want to speak to a topic if they feel that they know it, you know, 100% up and down, front and back. Um, whereas I find, you know, that men are much much more likely to kind of just throw their, their opinion out about just about anything um, and don't feel the need to have kind of entrenched expertise to speak to an issue. And I think you see that gap in comment sections where you see women reading and, you know, saying, oh, this is super interesting, I'll share it, I'll disseminate it, and then men read it and they say, this is super interesting, so, like, I'll add my voice because my voice really matters here.
0: Do you think there is a um, a a point at which a comment or a series of comments can hurt somebody permanently. And that that distinguishes the internet from just someone yelling in a crowd.
1: Definitely. I mean, you know, the internet, not that everything you put on it is forever. Cause a lot of stuff does disappear, but you know, a lot of stuff is forever. And especially if you aren't a person, um, you know, who writes on the internet regularly or has a huge presence, you know, if there's only one or two corners of the internet that use your full name, you know, then that's what's going to come up when someone Googles you. Um, You know, that was an issue for me, even though I was a writer and a person who spent a lot of time online, you know, for a couple of years, whenever somebody would Google me, the first things that would come up were all of these nasty, awful Mm -hmm. comments.
0: Jill Filipovich is senior political writer for Cosmopolitan.com and creator of the website Feminist. How vulnerable do you feel online, if at all? Tom from Long Island writes on our site What a concept in this day and age when the smallest indiscretion can either burn someone for life via the Internet or raise them to demigod or goddess status, the Kardashians being the poster family. Our Twitter chat last night, Tammy Oney, shared, I stopped commenting because I felt rationalization and civilized discussion no longer had a place on the Internet. She was referring to her online life, not our Twitter chat. Jennifer Abel Kovitz responded, Where does rational dialogue and civil argument happen if they can't happen online? If you want to weigh in on this debate, you can join our conversation by calling 8778 my take or tweet us at the takeaway.